Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and I'm here with Aaron Katzman. And this is the show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Aaron, how you doing today, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's a good day to be alive, man. I love your background for everybody just listening. We got a nice green background, got some trees there. Looks like you're enjoying this work from home lifestyle. Just well, as as I, I normally sit inside with... Uh, bare walls behind me and, and no imagery so i figured i would branch outside on a nice day to at least get some trees by me for a little visual exactly right it's nice enjoy yourself get some sunlight <laughs> breathe in some fresh air there's nothing wrong with that aaron is he works at espn uh and for the acc network he's an award winning coordinating producer so i'm very excited to a learn how you won that award it was an emmy by the way and b what the heck a coordinating producer is i'll be honest not 100% sure, so I'm excited to have this conversation. But Aaron, the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? That's a great question. I think uh, I'm sure everyone you talk to gives you similar but different answers. I think for me, it's it's the uh, ability to connect with anyone. Uh, I grew up playing sports, watching sports, you know, family watch sports together, played sports together. I have a younger brother who he and I did everything together and still do. You know, most of our conversations revolve around some sort of sports discussion. So just the type of thing that brings everyone together. I think especially in the age we're living in where people are working from home and there's not that much interaction, having live sports is, is a way to connect with people and have just, you know, kind of how's the weather type discussions. You Instead of talking about the weather, you can talk about whatever game's going on. So it's yeah. just it's a it's a fun way to to just converse, uh, rally around something and and you know kind of an escape for for everyone. It's it's it was so weird, especially those four months. Uh, you know when we had no sports on right from March to you know the end of July. You know, sports was always the thing that kind of took our mind off of what was going on around the world, right? Got to pay attention, got to stay up to date as much as you would like. You know, obviously it's different for everybody, but understanding that there is that outlet at seven o'clock at night, right. And understanding that you can go watch that MLB game. You can go watch that basketball game, that hockey game and enjoy it. So it's, it's very interesting how that, you know, really, it just wasn't there. It just stunk, right. It just stunk for lack of a better term. And, you know, it's one of those things that I got used to a little bit, but once sports came back, I remembered, Oh my goodness, no, I could never do that again. And I've even liked, you know, again, this work from home, especially in the beginning of the NBA and the NHL restart, I was in front of my TV at like one o'clock in the afternoon. I had both my TVs going. I had an NBA game on. I had an NHL game on and it was awesome. Now we're pretty much moved to all the prime time at this point with uh, the, the playoffs kind of dwindling, dwindling down a little bit. But It did feel like a little March madness and yep. summer feel to it with all the different daytime sports going on. It was, it was certainly nice as, as we started to crank back up. Yes, uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Great way to get back into it. I uh, absolutely loved it. So let's talk a little bit about you, Aaron. I mean, again, understanding that sports is something that you've loved growing up, always wanted to work in, it sounds like. I mean, I know I pretty much always wanted to work in sports in some capacity. Uh, so I started this podcast. So hopefully uh, it continues to work for me a little bit. But in terms of, you know, a, a producer, right? Like, what little boy, maybe you tell me, I don't know, what little kid grows up and is like, I want to be a producer when I grow up, right? Like, that's not the sexy job. It's not It's not the thing, you know, you want to be on TV, you want to be the head coach, you want to work in the front office. So how, how did you find yourself in this role? And at what point in time did you realize, like, hey, being behind the camera, this actually sounds like it would be a lot of fun. And, and I can really turn this in, not only to a career, but a career that I truly enjoy. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think a lot of, kids as you're growing up and you're a sports fan you you want to play in the nba or in the you know nfl something like that i'm five eight so my nba dreams were, were short-lived um i'm not a good enough golfer to play on the pga tour so for me it was okay i'm not going to be a professional athlete so what's the next thing to do find something where you can work in sports and uh like many people for me, I did a lot of on-air stuff kind of in college and internship type things. It's like, oh, cool. Like, I want to be a play-by-play guy and I want to be the next Joe Buck or Bob Costas, something like that. And uh, I, I actually kind of almost randomly uh, applied for a, a job behind the scenes as a production assistant at ESPN, kind of finishing up college. 
got offered the job, figured I'd stay for a year, almost treat like a post-grad year, figure out what I want to do with my life and, you know, see if there was a broadcasting opportunity in front of the camera. And the longer I stayed in the production side of things, the more comfortable I felt, the more I got accustomed to the, the, the challenges and the skill set that comes with being behind the camera. And it became almost like a competition for me to figure out how can I be improve and be better every day at, at my current role. Um, you know, the other thing you kind of learn when you're behind the camera is you're watching when you're a fan, you're watching on TV, you're watching the hosts. When you're behind the camera, you're realizing that you're kind of the ones that are putting the hosts in the position mm -hmm. to succeed. And you're kind of the, the coach, the GM, however you want to, you want to phrase it when you're, when you're producing a show or overseeing a show or something like that. So for me, the more I kind of learned about that and got used to that, the more exciting it became to me. Yeah, and, and it is kind of cool understanding, and we're, we're going to get into exactly what a producer does in a little bit, but understanding that you're the one that shows us, the fans, really what's going on, right? We're watching it, and I don't know why or how or what camera or this, that, or the other, but I'm going to watch it no matter what, and it, it's your job, and, and thank you for that, to be able to put it on in a way that I, I can enjoy it even more. And as you said, you're kind of leading the host, and you're doing what you need to do to make sure that we are all at home enjoying ourselves. And I just think it is fantastic um you know again just how you got into it and as you said you you started that post-grad year at espn and now you know you're, you're still there uh, about 15 years later so clearly you did something right and you're enjoying it and that's something that you really don't see too too often in sports is you know you're told i mean you colloquial you are told especially in college it's one of those careers that if you want to rise up through the levels of sports you're most likely going to need to hop from city to city to state to state. Now, you landed with ESPN. You landed with the largest sports network, especially here in the United States. Was there anywhere else for you really to potentially go? Like, unless you wanted to go to, like, a local station or, or something a little more regional, like, outside of ESPN and maybe Fox, which, you know, only really sprung up, you know, majorly over the last few years, where else would there have been for you to go if you didn't land this ESPN job right out of the gate? Yeah, I think everybody approaches it differently. Um you know, for me, I'm I'm a Midwest guy at heart. I'm from St. Louis. ESPN's in Connecticut. I went to college in Boston. So as I was finishing up college, I, you know, it's like, oh, I'm already in the Northeast. Let me send a resume in ESPN, see what happens. It's ESPN. It's, you know, like the Yankees or the Red Sox. It's, you're at the top of the top mm -hmm. of the mountain if you get to work there. Um, but if that hadn't worked out, I'm not sure, to be honest. You know, I, there are people in this profession that start out and local news, local sports. There are a lot of people that have started out doing on-air reporting and go with, like you just said, bounce around from city to city for a few years, then realize, okay, I'm you know 30 years old, I'm 28 years old, and I don't want to be in Topeka, Kansas, and my next step being Billings, Montana, and so on and so forth. I need to, I want to settle down, and I like the TV side of it, so I'm going to get behind the scenes and kind of work way zigzag my way that way um so there's really no magic formula for where you're gonna fall or how you get to kind of where you ultimately want to be even at espn there's people that have started at espn that have stayed there the whole time and are executives now and there are people that started in local news and and moved up there are people that had totally different careers and then decided they wanted to change and they love sports and came over as a, a researcher or stats person or something like that and kind of learned the production ropes and have worked their way up that way. So there's really just no no set do A, B, and C to get to point D. It's more zigzag, piece it together, uh, be really flexible and open to opportunities and then see what happens as you go. Yeah, I like the way you said it. There's no magic bullet to it, right? There's no there's no uh, consensus on on how to get to where you want to get to it's just understanding you got to do a lot of hard work you're in an industry that is you know the supply is extremely high and so is the demand so if you're not willing to do the work someone else is just going to come in and do it for you probably cheaper so you really have to understand what you're capable of and what you need to do to get that job done and and in terms of you know the the, the thing we love sports so much we wanted to make this our career right and you're in a very interesting field because it's, it's the tv aspect so 
when I'm at home watching TV, it usually means, and again, I know I just spoke about how I was watching TV at 12 o'clock, watching these <laughs> basketball and football or these hockey games. But normally when I'm at home after work and when the, you know, most of America after their nine to fives, that means that's your prime time, right? That's when you need to be at your best. How have you handled, you know, obviously you've been doing it for 15 years, so clearly you've done a good job, but especially in the beginning, how did you handle, you know, not being able to potentially sit at home on a Sunday and, and drink beer with your friends and eat chicken wings and watch football? You were the guy that had to go to work and everyone was like, all right, see you later, Aaron. We're going to all enjoy ourselves. How did you kind of deal with that, especially in the beginning, not being able to, you know, it, it, it it's not that outlet it was before. Now it's your, your job, it's your career. Yeah, it's a great question. It was a, it, it was a tough transition on a number of aspects. First, you know, you're getting, you're getting thrown into a new job for some people like myself. It was a first real job out of college. Mm -hmm. Um, there wasn't, there wasn't a, a blueprint, like I had mentioned before about what you do. And I was living in a spot where I didn't know anybody. So my friends from college who live in New York or Boston, oh, they're working Monday to Friday, sort of normal hours. So then they want to go watch football on Sunday or meet somewhere and I'm going to work and my days off are Tuesday and Wednesday and the days I'm working, I'm in the office until one or two in the morning. There was definitely a transition and one of those, like, is this really what I want to be doing? But then you kind of like pinch yourself and you realize you're driving through the gates of ESPN every day and that's where you work. And, you know, I had friends who, if I got to the point where I was like, ah, like, I can't believe I have to go to work on NFL Sunday, they, you know, kind of poke fun at me and be like, you want to trade jobs? You can go yeah. to my, you know, finance job or whatever other job and, and we'll go to ESPN and sit there and watch sports all day on, on a Saturday or Sunday for you. So there certainly was, uh, was an adjustment, but I think for me, just trying to keep the realization that I was working at ESPN and, you know, what a great honor and uh, just a fun job it was, you know, fun story. So I was, so like I mentioned, I'm from St. Louis. So my senior year of college, I drove up to college to Boston with my brother and we're driving through Connecticut and we see a sign for Bristol, Connecticut. And we're both sports fans. So we're like, Oh, let's pull over and see if we can stumble on ESPN. So we drive down the road, we see ESPN, we pull into the gate and we're just like, Hey, you know, our security stops us. Hey, you know, we're just big fans. Is there a tour? Is there a gift shop? Is there anything? And they tell us it's private property and we need to, get off their grounds type stuff. So then when I went for my first day of work, I went through the same gate that my brother and I had gotten turned away from, you know, a year before or whatever it was, I called him. I was like, you'll never guess where I'm going through. And just kind of taking that mindset and, and keeping that in mind when I would, especially early on, get a little down on having to work late nights or holidays or weekends and not having this so-called normal office. Um, I think trying to keep perspective on, I might not have the normal office, but I've got a pretty cool job. Certainly yeah. Helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to keep everything in perspective. I think that's the most important part because you're right. You know, as you were, as you realize talking to your friends, just because they have a nine to five and they can do stuff after that or, or on the weekends doesn't mean they enjoy their job at all. Right. Like, as you said, and I would have used the exact same examples. Like, do you want to trade this finance job for an awesome sports job at ESPN? No, thank you. Of course not. So it is unfortunate. And I think that's a, that's something that for lack of a better term, really weeds a lot of people out in the industry. And I think that part's very important. Again, the supply, the demand, they're very high. You have to understand that you're going to be working nights, weekends, holidays, probably going to miss a couple weddings, a couple funerals, unfortunately. But at the same time, you work at ESPN, you watch sports, you get to deal with sports on a daily basis. I mean, there's a lot of people that would trade that for pretty much anything in the world. People would pay to have that job and you're getting paid to do it, which I think is pretty darn cool. So one thing I want to understand, so you explain to us how you got behind the camera a little bit. What do you actually do behind the camera, right? Like a producer, we see it every single time. You know, I watch my Mets game. So Gary, Keith and Ron, they talk about the producer and how awesome he is and what, you know, how fantastic he makes the show. But you're kind of like the unsung hero. I really don't say anything to the producer as I'm sitting there watching my TV. I talk to my TV. We have this nice relationship. I don't say anything to the producer unless they screw up, right? It's like an offensive lineman. It's an offensive guard. You don't really notice them unless they do something really bad. So, like, what exactly are you doing behind the camera to make sure I'm having the best possible viewing experience? 
So there are different levels, and I'll kind of give you the, the Cliff's Notes version of at least what my path has been. Um, you know, like I mentioned, my first position was a production assistant. So that's entry level. At ESPN, you're assigned to uh, produce highlights for SportsCenter or Baseball Tonight or some of the other shows. So you're tasked with watching a game. You log, transcribe the, the plays that are happening, and then you work with a supervisor to, to produce a highlight. You give a, we call it a shot sheet, basically a script to the anchor. They go on, they read your script, they make it sound really good. They, like, you know, they have have been watching every second of every game. So that's kind of like the first step is, is the 30-second minute-long highlights of your Mets game or mm-hmm. something like that. Then as you kind of work your way up to a producer, you become, as a producer, there's two different sides of this. There's the live event, live game side. So when you're yelling at the Mets for making another error, you know, that's the live game. The pregame show or the postgame show is the, we call it the studio side of things. So most of my career has been more on the studio side, so I can speak a little more of that, but a little bit to everything. Um, at least on the studio side, the producer is kind of tasked with putting the show together. So for instance, uh, if I'm producing a post game show, I'm figuring out what, what was the most impactful stories of the day? Um, what deserves more time? What deserves less time? And I'm, I'm putting the outline of the show together, the rundown of the show, uh, working with our on air talent and we're kind of determining what's going to be talked about, when it's going to be talked about, how long it will be talked about. And then everything that goes along with that, then communicating to uh, the production assistants, all right, this is what I want for this game, this is how long I need for this game, and then timing out the show in the you know, hour show or 30-minute show, whatever it is, to make sure you're getting on the air on time, getting off the air on time, and that everything in between goes relatively smoothly. So that's kind of the, the studio show side of the producer on the live game side. It's, um, you know, being able to storytell during live action. So if someone for the Mets has a, uh, perfect game going, Hey, like being able hey, to don't, don't do that to me, man. Don't do that. Well, to all me. right, then I'll use a different example. Thank since you, I'm a yeah. Cardinals fan. Okay. Like someone freezes Carlos Beltran oh, with a curveball. That's ball. even worse. Come on. <laughs> oh, that was good, though. I'll give you that. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. That's on me. Uh, I tried to stop. That's on me. Keep yeah, it coming. So, Pile it on, man. It's fine. No, but if, you know, if something happens that is rare, a producer's job is to say, hey, let's flash back to the Adam Wainwright strikeout of Carlos Beltran, or let's flash back to the last time a Mets player hit three home runs in a game. Let's let's put some context to this. Hey, 10 years ago on this day, I just saw yesterday, you know, again, I'm a Carlos fan, but I just saw yesterday was an anniversary, the anniversary of Mark McGuire uh, surpassing Roger Maris' home run record. Like that sort of thing. If you're producing a baseball game last night, Cardinals game or any game, you're probably getting that video and hey, it's the anniversary of this happening. So the producer on the game side is trying to fit those sort of storytelling moments into a live game that doesn't have a ton of downtime. You know, baseball in between pitches, in between batters, you've got some time. But if you watch a hockey game or a soccer game, basketball game, you know, there's there's not that much time. So a, a game producer has to know, all right, the whistle just blew. I have exactly 12 seconds before plays back in action. Because if I miss a pitch, if I miss a basket, like that's when Michael at home is going to be yelling at the producer on TV. Like, how did I just miss that? Um, so you want to make sure that you're telling the story the right way, but also not missing any of the live action. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me, you know, just this, that career path. Personally, I do love talking into a microphone. It is my favorite thing I get to do. Having conversations with you personally um, is is an absolute blast. Aaron Katzman, again, of ESPN and ACC Network, Emmy Award-winning coordinating producer. So we're going to get to that position in a second, I think. But just like the fact that this job exists, I, I don't know. It was me maybe growing up. I was just my parents said, no, go into business. You make money in business. So I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. So I kind of you know, got into business and then realized that there's this whole cool thing you know, career path behind the camera where you can go watch sports and do things like that. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. I, I love it. If I had a second shot, 100%, I would have done that. Not even a question. But 
little too far along now uh, to uh, to turn around and really don't want to get into any more debt. So we'll see what happens there. But. I do think it makes you versatile, though, to have other experiences. Like I, I went to law school at night while I was at oh, ESPN. Wow. Um, and, you know, even though I don't use the law degree or you don't necessarily you know, use the day-to-day stuff from your mm. previous job, like you still end up using some of the tools you acquire along the way with whatever you end up doing next. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe then. Maybe there's still a shot for me. Exactly. Maybe there's still a shot for me. Yeah. But it's just, it's such a cool, cool opportunity. I have a friend of mine. His name is Barry Landis. He works for Fox and he is the executive producer for uh, Sunday football. He works with Kenny Albert and it is cool. He brought me into the back of the truck once and I was like, this is incredible. This is your job? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh my God. Uh, and now, of course, again, there's pluses and minuses and I hated my job at the time. So I was really infatuated with his, but. <laughs> It is just so cool, just some of the stuff that you guys and girls get to do behind the scenes that, again, when you really break it down, you're watching sports for a living. Now, I know there's a lot of other BS that goes involved with it, and there's politics, and there's all that stuff, but it is just so, so, so cool. So kudos, congratulations again, Aaron. So what exactly, so so in terms of, you know, as, you, as we were talking about, right, the producer really only gets a shout out from the announcers because they're great and they've been doing it for 50 years and yada, yada, yada. But then this producer gets shouted out by me, someone like me just sitting on their couch. I remember the first pitch of the MLB season, that Washington nationals, New York Yankees game. They missed the pitch. Carl Ravage comes back on. He's like, yeah, sorry, everybody. We, uh, it's actually the second pitch. It's already an Oh one count or whatever. And we're all just like, how the hell do you do that? How does something like that happen on such a huge, huge scale? Like how does someone let something like that? Just how do you, mistime that to miss the first pitch of the first game of the MLB season, especially again, I've been on a layoff for so long. How does something like that happen? Yeah. You, you never know. I mean, I think that's the beauty of live TV is anything can happen. Um, You know, sometimes uh, I don't know in that specific instance, but sometimes if you're in a game, like the commercial break is supposed to go two and a half minutes and the, the person who's communicating with the game producer in the truck starts tells the referees or the umpires to start sooner than they should. And, you know, it's just a, one of those types of things. Sometimes the timing's a little off and, uh, and you, you miss a pitch or you miss something. So it's, uh, I think that's part of the beauty of live TV is you just never know. You never know what's, what's going to happen. Uh, you always have to be on your toes. As soon as you think you're in a good position, that's when you probably end up getting, screwed mm-hmm. over because something will happen that you're not ready for so as a producer recording producer whatever part of your job is to think of you know kind of worst case scenarios what happens if 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 a b and c happen how am i reacting that sort of thing um and then and then adjusting on the fly so that becomes the more comfortable you get the more used to it you get that becomes part of the fun of, of the producing part of the world I was going to say the live aspect of it, like I've always loved working events. I've always loved, you know, I uh, worked for a catering company when I grew up a little bit. So going to weddings and like watching stuff light on fire and then needing to figuratively, of course, not literally, but, you know, putting out those types of fires. I worked at a restaurant and it was always just go, 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 go. I always really, really loved that aspect. And I think live TV is on a much, much bigger scale, of course, than me working as a waiter in a diner. But how does that get really really stressful sometimes like as you said you're always just thinking of like the three worst things that could possibly go wrong at any point in time that has to like kind of drain you mentally right yeah it's sort of i mean it it's high and low and i think that's part of the part of the trick you always hear an athlete say they don't want to get too high they don't want to get too low and like by no means do i want to compare being behind the camera to being yes on the field but it is kind of the same in the sense that you can't let yourself get too low if something goes wrong during a show or a game. You can't let yourself get too excited or too high if you think you you nailed a segment of a show or you had the perfect piece of video waiting and ready uh, in a live game. Like I was watching an NBA game the other night, and Michael Porter Jr. had a great dunk over someone, and the director of the game like, cut to Porter's dad instantaneously and it's like wow how they already know that his dad was there mm-hmm. they had a graphic with you know michael porter senior's name on it and all this kind of stuff it's like wow that director must be really proud of himself but if the director had missed the next basket then all of a sudden they go from hey great work yeah. to what are you doing staying on that shot so long so there certainly are stressful moments 
but I think that's what the, the challenge is for, for someone that's behind the camera is how do you how do you grow and learn and react to those challenging moments and those moving parts. For me, doing a show, I always said I enjoy producing when things are off script and things aren't following our kind of mm-hmm. uh, projected show rundown because that's when it gets fun, when something crazy happens or wild happens. Part of where what I was doing before my current role was working on college game day, both on the football and basketball side. And, you know, we're doing a traveling road show with fans, so you never know what may happen. So some of the best stuff is the organic, the organic moments that you just react to on the fly. And then you have to figure out how you're going to adjust the timing and the discussions and things like that uh, after the fact. College Game Day is one of my favorite programs in all of TV. So thank you, Aaron. I appreciate (laughs) you for what you do because I love College Game Day. It's a little hokey sometimes, but we enjoy the heck out of it. And obviously the signs are always, always, always the best. So I do have a specific question about that then. When did you... When did you finally notice that there was a Washington State flag in like every single shot ever? Like, was that something that was known from kind of the get go, or did it take a little while for you guys to be like, wait a second, this dude or this flag has been here for like the last like four years? Because then I remember you guys did a really great piece on it either last year or the previous year. I can't remember exactly what it was. There was like this whole like elaborate system of like people all around the country to get this flag to all these places. It was absolutely nuts. So, like, was that you actually out of curiosity? Was that your story or? It was not mine, but I was, I was part of that, that show with the piece you're uh, uh, talking about. I was in it at Washington state in Pullman mm-hmm. for that, for that show. Um, the story is unbelievable. And it, it started well before I was part of the game day mm-hmm. mix. I don't, I don't have, I don't know all the details, but it definitely took a little while before there was a, uh, realization of hey this flag keeps showing up every week but the washington state faithful i mean like you mentioned they've got just this elaborate planning scheme and as soon as game day would announce where they're going each week the washington state group i think there's you know a group uh email chat or group facebook group or whatever be like all right who's an alum that lives in orlando florida who's an alum that lives in tuscaloosa alabama who can get the flag okay, so-and-so is available, we'll ship them the flag so that they can take it and, you know, wave it during game day. I remember one time, I can't even remember where we were, but somehow there was some sort of, like, FedEx mistake or UPS, whatever it was, and the flag didn't look like it was going to make it on time. So we had to, like, send a backup flag overnight. It became this huge thing. But it was just a great example of the passion that people have for college game day. And the Washington State fans and and the flag just are symbolic for what what game day means to college football fans. We went out there, uh, I guess it was two years ago now for game day, and it was the first time game day had gone to Pullman. And I mean, you know, it's 6 a.m. local time when when the show starts, it's still dark. And we would get to to a site a couple hours before showtime. So we'd pull in, I don't know, it's probably 4 o'clock. And there were people that had been camping out all night long. You know, we'd come straight from the bars to be a part of the scene. And I remember we were kind of on a hill, and the, the whole hill was just packed with people. Uh, and watching the sun come up over the over the crowd uh, an hour into the show or whatever, it was, it was one of those moments where you stop and you're like, wow, like, this is, this is really something. And, and the passion people have for game day and college football in general, it's just kind of back to your first question of why do you love sports like that's why people love sports because it brings everybody together it is it is nuts i remember that one very specifically because it was just such a cool story i had no idea honestly like until i think like that when that story aired i was just like holy crap that flag has been there for the last like eight years i've been watching the show like what the i just never noticed for whatever reason and you know or because maybe there's all this other stuff going on but no i love college game day so much so again thank you for what you did there and and so you so Let's let's talk a little bit about ESPN and, and ACC Network, kind of what you're doing. As you said, you mostly are on the studio side. Obviously, you're with College Game Day for basketball and football. That is technically, I'm assuming, more studio. I mean, it's a studio show. It's not a live sports show. What is it? Is that just kind of the area you fell into, just kind of be working more on the studio side, working more with the talent? Or was that a conscious decision of you kind of trying out both a little bit earlier on in your career and saying, you know, live sports is just 
even a little too hectic for me, you know, in, in terms of live shows. So I, I guess kind of how did that happen? Yeah, it was more I kind of started on a path on the studio show side of things and just stayed on it. Uh, definitely got a good amount of experience on on live event side doing different you know, golf remotes and mm-hmm. a few games here and there. And the college game day show is basically like a live remote. So it's almost like a hybrid of the studio show and a live event just because of the crowd and the uh, the fluidity nature of the show and things always happening that turn things upside down. So there, I've been fortunate that I've kind of gotten a mix of both. But for the most part, mine was just following a path on the, on the studio show side of things. I kept going pretty well. I was able to be on game day and then most recently transitioned to the ACC network as we got ready to launch that last year. Uh, so now I get to oversee all of our studio programming for ACC network. Um, so it's just been kind of uh, a long path mm-hmm. throughout the studio side of things. And so with obviously the pandemic, we saw the, NCAA March Madness get canceled. We then saw all pretty much spring sports get canceled. We're now going into football season. It looks like the ACC is going to play, but as we know, the Pac-12, the Big Ten are most likely not going to potentially start like in January or something, which why even bother at that point? That's a whole nother question. But, you know, with what's going on, and I don't want to speculate on if the season's going to shut down or this, that, and the other, but how... Like as a studio within the studio, what the heck have you guys been talking about from like March until like from March to April? I assume it was like, oh, no, everything shut down. And then from April to July, what the heck are you talking about? You know, and then eventually football can come around. And you can start talking about what you guys talk about for that entire like dead period where there was nothing going on. Yeah, it's wild, right? This Saturday will be exactly six months to the day since the ACC men's basketball tournament shut down and the rest of college sports basically shut down. We were in Greensboro, North Carolina for the ACC tournament. You know, that whole week was just surreal. And then that morning, it's like, are they going to play? Are they not going to play? And then they canceled and everybody got on a plane back to Connecticut. And like, all right, so it'll be a couple weeks and then we'll, we'll get back to normal. And, you know, now six months later... We're certainly far from where we were then. So it, it has been uh, learning to reinvent ourselves and reinvent our production plans. The first couple weeks were uh, kind of taking a step back and figuring out what our options were. You know, the health and safety of all of our employees were first and foremost. So ESPN did a great job of really putting a tight knit tight uh, net around the campus and letting very few people into work unless it was essential. So we we really didn't do a ton of live programming the first few weeks. We found ways to kind of reinvent ourselves on social, um, post-producing shows, taping via Zoom and turning them around and being able to deliver them digitally and things that, you know, candidly and February, if you had told me we were going to produce a Zoom show, I'm not even sure I knew what Zoom was, and that kind of became our norm for a couple months. Um, so it was it was a testament to all of our staff on on ACC Network, just the uh, creativity and uh, amount of chances we were willing to take. You know, we did a show for an example. We got all 14 of the football, well, 14 before Notre Dame officially joined the conference for mm-hmm. this year. We got all 14 of the football coaches in the conference together for a Zoom call. And it was, you know, like, when are you ever going to get all 14 coaches together to literally talk about anything other than football? One of the questions, you know, was, what was the last movie you cried at? And who hasn't showered for a day during quarantine? And, you know, like, fun, personality-driven mm-hmm pull the curtain back on these coaches and show some personality type shows. So it was those sorts of things that we really got to a point where we were, um, you know, changing our normal day to day. Okay. Let's talk about this game. Let's talk about preview this upcoming matchup. And it was more, okay, let's, let's take a step back. Let's catch our breath. Now, what, what can we do that will entice people, uh, generate some interest, do something different and be able to, to execute things in this unprecedented time that really uh, we never would have even thought about doing before. 
Yeah, it's 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 very weird. But again, you know, as, as you, you got to get creative, you have the opportunity to think of new opportunities and new ways of going about it. So hopefully that means in the future, those things can come back organically and not not needed, but because they're wanted. And we do want to see behind the curtain a little bit. I think that's one thing that, you know, over the last few years with the, I guess we're in like social media 3.0 at this point, like it's, it's kind of, you know, there's always that saying, like, you don't want to know how the sausage is made, but that's actually kind of what works really well is people want to see how the sausage is made. Now we kind of want to see the behind the scenes and what these coaches are like in real life, because we know they're all salesmen. They're all just out there trying to get the next big recruit or go to the next big college. So really seeing who they are and what they're like, I think is really important, A, to that fact, but then B, just because we want to see what Dabo Sweeney's actually like behind the camera. And if he does or does not shower in quarantine, I think that's a good question to know, right? That's fun. That's fun. So that is pretty cool. And and so as you said, you know, you 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 figure out what Zoom is, right? Like you're now learning what all these online opportunities and platforms are. What has this done moving forward? And again, we can speculate a little bit. That's always fun for your type of role as a producer and understanding what it's what like to put these TV shows on and understanding now we really don't need everybody in the studio. Now I'm sure there's a lot of things that are a little easier to have people there, but as you and many other corporations and companies around the country are learning, people can work from home and be totally productive. If not more productive, obviously some less, some more, but what is this going to do potentially to this career path moving forward and understanding now talent doesn't all have to move to Bristol to get something like this done, right? You can just get the best people from around the country. So what, you know, again, let's speculate a little bit. What might this start to do to this producer role moving forward, understanding that remote work is a pretty good possibility? Yeah, I think, I think it's probably a little early to know, you know, definitively what may or may not change long-term, but I, I think, you know, we keep saying that in the long run, this is going to make us better. It's going to make us more efficient. This is going to make us think outside the box more. Uh, ESPN so great. And ACC Network as part of ESPN has been so lucky to be able to kind of follow the blueprint of ESPN's success. But there's no blueprint for what's been going on the last few months. So it has been, you know, in some ways throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what will stick, whether it's been the company just being remarkable at getting cameras set up and, in people's homes, you know, instantaneously, or finding ways behind the scenes to do work from home. So for instance, when we do shows now for ACC Network, the people that are producing the graphics, the words, the texts on the screen during a show or during a game, they, they can work from home. They can do it remotely from, from a computer at home. And that's something that never even would have been, you know, a possibility mm-hmm. months ago. So I think that those sorts of things will, will certainly help. I think just the, the idea of FaceTime or Skype or Zoom or whatever, you know, a few months ago, I was like, well, that might not be professional enough. That might not be TV sufficient. And now it's like, you know what? Like a FaceTime interview is pretty good. And mm-hmm. if it allows us to get a little more access to someone and we could say to a coach or a, a player, Hey, why don't you just take your phone and you know take a selfie video for us and send it, and we'll put it on TV. Like that's kind of what you were saying before. That that kind of gives you that inside the the locker room, inside the the team feel that we may not have had before, but now it it's almost easier to get because people are more accustomed and more used to just opening up on video chats and things like that. Yeah, I think it's 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 pretty big for all industries. It's really interesting considering. We all thought, right, you needed all these producers, you needed all these people, you needed all everything, everything, everything in the studio. And pretty much without a hitch, everything's been totally fine, right? Like there's, of course, going to be hiccups, but there's hiccups when you're in the studio, right? So it's just been interesting. How have you enjoyed or not enjoyed this time? You know, how, how much are you going into the studio? Are you really doing everything pretty much from, I'm assuming, your basement in your home in Connecticut? Yeah, so I... In my role with ACC Network, I'm kind of overseeing all of our studio production. So for me, the majority of my work I have been doing from home and just watching from afar. It's it's certainly been a different adjustment. I'm used to being in there and in the control room and very hands-on um, and you know face-to-face with people for relationship building and, and feedback and all that kind of stuff. And now kind of removing 
myself and others are doing the same thing from that, you know, you, you certainly have to learn to, to, uh, teach differently. You have to learn to provide feedback differently. You have to learn how to watch the shows differently and things like that. So there certainly has been an adjustment. You know, personally, there's also been a lot of positives to that I have two little kids and to be able to be fortunate enough to spend extra time at home with, with the kids is something that, you know, years from now I'll probably look back on and, and be thankful for the extra time right now. It's a bit of a roller coaster with you know, my three-year-old wanting to join Zoom calls as often as possible and getting to know all, all of dad's work friends. But, uh, you know, overall, it, that sort of thing has become, it's almost humanized all of us so that you you get to know your coworkers more than just at work. You know, mm-hmm. people now know who my daughter is and ask where Molly is when my mom is Zoom. Or I now know some of my coworkers' kids or dogs or setups in their homes so that when we're on a zoom call and they're in a different locations whoa no michael you're you're in a different room in your house today even though i've never been to your house i know you're in a different room that sort of thing so you know it's it's kind of just rolling with the punches and trying to make the best out of every scenario and and make the best out of all of this uh there certainly have been hiccups and mm-hmm. will continue to be things that we learn along the way but overall you know i think our technical side of the house at ESPN and ACC Network have just been unbelievable at what they've been able to accomplish to really keep the network running with very few hitches um, from day one of all of this happening. And now, you know, now that we're into month six, month seven of this, uh, it's almost like this is, so, this is pseudo normal at this point and people are just learning to, to live with it. Yeah, it, it, it is it is pretty crazy how quickly everyone was able to adapt, um, and thankfully in a good way. And and you know, as you said, you're 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 getting used to it, and it's becoming the new normal a little bit, which I think is awesome. So hey, if it's working, if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right, nice and easy, nice and easy. So we do have college football. College football is like kind of quasi started. There was like a Navy game the other day, which was kind of a joke. Thankfully, I didn't watch that one. Um, I think I watched. Whatever the first game on ESPN was, some two FCF schools going at it. It was kind of fun and then got real boring, but I watched almost all of it because football's back, baby. Football's back. Obviously, we have the NFL starting tomorrow. Very excited about that. So I'm sure ESPN's getting very pumped because now we're going to have some new content to go after. In terms of the ACC network, ACC is one of the schools that is, con- or one of the conferences that will be playing football this upcoming season. It's an ACC only schedule. It's going to look weird. It's going to look wacky, but hey, we're going to enjoy it. We're going to do everything we can. From your point of view, how excited are you just to have something real to talk about again? Uh, real football will be back, which means you guys in the studio, especially guys and girls in the studio, You'll have some, you know, content to look at. You'll have things to look back on. You know, that's an easy couple hours of, uh, you know, studio shows every single day just to look at those first few games coming up this season. It's been, it's, it's great. We're couldn't be more excited. We have Miami and uh, UAB kick off our season Thursday tomorrow night, Thursday night uh, on ACC Network, and it's it's funny because you know. Two weeks ago, we we did a kind of our first football preseason show, mm-hmm. and it was one of those like we did it, and it's like oh, is this going to be the only show we do? And then we did another one, and it's like okay, like this is good. And then all of a sudden, this week or last week, it's like hey, we're we're a week away from football. This is getting real now, and now it's like all right, now we're now we're really getting there, and now we're we're about to kick off, and I you can just feel the the excitement and the intensity building, uh, whether it's within you know our company ACC network ESPN just fans in general you can you can tell that people are genuinely getting excited for college football NFL all these things that you know people had question marks about and and didn't know if it would actually happen or not now I mean we're 24 28 hours away but it uh, it certainly feels like we're we're going in the right direction and are and are ready to to kick off tomorrow night and i'm very excited i'm gonna have uh, i'm going over a buddy's house we we have a sports equinox by the way we're gonna have football baseball basketball and hockey on and then we could throw in college football as well so we're gonna have to find that fifth tv somewhere <laughs> don't know where it's coming from but we're gonna need to find it but i'm just so excited to have football back and just have all these sports back now i think it's gonna be and, and i'm kind of curious from your standpoint i think the one sport 
that will be affected most by no fans is specifically college football, right? Like these stadiums hold a hundred thousand people. Like this is no joke. You feel that energy. I've been to some of these games, been to Penn state games in their heyday. I went to Rutgers, so I don't really know what like that atmosphere is supposed to be like, but I've been to big college football games before. And there is that feeling, man. I don't know what that feeling is, but I'm getting tingles just thinking about it. How do you think this is going to affect the play on the field potentially? And, and understanding that, you know, it's just going to be, an offense versus a defense on a field and kind of an empty stadium. I know some stadiums will have a couple thousand fans, but let's be honest, that couple thousand is not going to make up for the other hundred thousand. That's not there. So how do you feel, you know, again, coming from the studio side, I guess, I don't know if that's an angle you guys are going to play a lot, but how do you think that's just going to affect the sport in general? Yeah, I think from, from both the studio side and the live event side, it, it'll, it'll be different. I think uh, it looking at the NBA, Major League Baseball, or hockey as examples, when the NBA bubble started, you were like, oh, there are not going to be fans. It's going to be so weird. And then after about 30 seconds, it's like, hey, there's good basketball. And away we go. And I don't think the quality of games were were any less because there were no fans. Just think you kind of learn to watch the game a little bit differently, same with baseball or hockey. And I think that'll be the same with college football, the NFL, whatever the case may be, is it might be a little weird at the beginning, uh, but it's you're still going to watch a game and two teams are going to suit up and play. Dabo Sweeney was quoted this week. They play Clemson plays Wake Forest on Saturday to start their season. And there was some talk about Wake Forest piping in uh, natural crowd noise, you know, as a lot of schools and teams are going to do. And Dabo said, you know, they could play any sort of oldies music music for all I care. I'm just excited to be playing football. And I think that's really the, the case with, with everyone is, you know, it might look and feel a little bit different, but football is football and, and sports are sports. And uh, we're excited just to be back and, and playing. And then I think from the TV side of things, it's okay. How can we take advantage of this? And whether it's a live game, you know, how can we showcase different camera angles because there are no fans? Uh, how can we, we, if, you, if you watch the uh, the PGA Championship golf this earlier this summer, mm-hmm. uh, you know ESPN had drones flying over the course, and part of the reason for that is because there were no fans, so it was easier to be able to fly a drone and get unique camera angles. I think it'll be the same type of thing with with football, both NFL and college, just trying different things. The NBA's had a rail camera that goes yeah. along the side of the the court. You know all those sorts of unique technological advances is, is something that that all companies will look at to, to try to take advantage of. And then the other part is, okay, if there are no fans for college football, especially there's no fans and fans are what really make college football what it is. How can we take advantage of the fans that are home watching games when they're normally at the game? So, you know, can we produce a game or a show to the fan like yourself, who's going to a buddy's house and watching four or five TVs and having a, tailgate in a garage instead of in a parking lot outside of a stadium um so it's it's really trying to take a sort of negative and turn it into a positive 100 percent agree man i i'm i'm curious to see what's going to happen i think there's going to be some fun stuff again it's going to be weird uh i i just i totally agree with you nba totally fine the only there's only been one moment this entire nba postseason or two i guess that i wish there was fans that one uh the first game with lebron and the clippers where he uh he misses a shot puts it back that would have been sweet in la yeah. and then the luca shot of course yeah. that would have been just yeah. bonkers in dallas but outside of that i mean everything else has been the the play has been great i think it has affected some series considering you know going down 2-0 going back or or at 1-1 you know especially like this lakers rocket series would have been 1-1, and then they go into Houston. Not It's 1-1 and still on a neutral court. So I do think it has affected some things, but I think it just means the best team is legitimately going to win all of these series because there's nothing that can swing the momentum as That's much. right. Definitely the home field advantage part will be, mm-hmm. will be interesting. But I think for college football or the NFL, home field advantage will still exist. You know, I was talking to somebody just yesterday about, especially on the college side, that there might not be fans in these home stadiums, but the road team still has to travel and stay in a hotel and, you know, have a different set of yep. experiences than they've had for the last six months. And especially the first couple of weeks of teams traveling and being on the road, that might feel different. That might be a tough adjustment because you've just, you've kind of gotten into this norm of staying in your little bubble for the last six months that now if you're being pulled out of it and put into something else, 
like it might be it might be more of a home field advantage we'll just have to wait and see just wait and see especially for those first few weeks i think that's going to be uh it's going to be very telling and then the last thing aaron i do want to talk to you about uh I've said it a few times, but let's just say it one more time. Emmy award-winning coordinating producer. How cool is it to walk up on stage and accept that? I know I'm sure you're going to say, well, it's, you know, all the people that are around me and, you know, it's a team effort, but that's got to be pretty sweet, right? Uh, it is. It is certainly a, a cool thing to be able to say that that uh, our team has won a few a few Emmys. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you don't really think about it too often, and then someone will come in in my house and they'll see, and like, what's that? And it's one of those like, oh yeah, this is this is a pretty cool thing. Um, so yeah, it's it's a, I mean, like you said, and it's it's true, it's not cliche, but it's I'm such a very small part of any of those that uh, just being able to be part of a team on like a college game day that's been so successful for years, and to be able to come in and try to help be a small part to keep the ship going in the right direction uh is is great and it's a great tremendous honor for me just to be able to kind of have my name associated with them in, in some some form but really it's uh it's it's just one of those things where it's fun for my family and fun for me but uh i try not to try not to think about it too much I appreciate that. But no, man, kudos, congratulations. Very, very, very much deserved. Uh, Aaron, where can everybody find you on the internet? Uh, I'm all over. LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm not, uh, I'm not super... Uh, I don't do a whole lot on Facebook or Instagram, but Twitter and LinkedIn, I'm, I'm on. So you can find me there, Aaron Katzman. Just no underscores on Twitter, nothing, just straight? I believe so like nice and easy but good for you good for you got it michael Raziel. turns out there's a couple of us so I, I had to add the one at the end but aaron katzman espn acc network o- emmy award winning coordinating producer aaron sincerely appreciate your time today man michael it's been a pleasure thank you very much